Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park makes you grin and above all you love making your bookie cry then you're in the right place the number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions shared with a fan base like no other welcome home this is the punch list mma podcast here are your hosts dale lippin and trey van buskirk What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned in the newest edition of the Punchless MMA Podcast, the first episode of 2021. Quite possibly, maybe the last episode of 2021. Things remain to be seen. I have no idea what's going on. Could be the first. Could be the last. I don't know. Trey, it's so good to see you. It's so good to be back. Just fill me in, man. Let me bathe in your ambiance or ambiance for a second, man, and just you know, fill me in. How was your holiday? was great i didn't get andy cohen anderson cooper you know tripping on acid but i went wild i let it rip dude yeah yeah i did about i did about four tabs and uh <laughs> went to the nether realm and and, and uh, let me tell you this this year is not going to be any better than 2020 i uh I, I've, I've been shown i've been enlightened it was a transformative experience i'm just going to let you know now uh it's going to be up to us to to steer this ship in a positive direction in 2021 no, I was going to ask you, was it weirder tripping or was it weirder just being sober in 2020? Yeah, I mean, dude, I can't even really tell at this point. I'm not even sure. <laughs> you know, I've never been more convinced of like the idea of simulation theory being real than yes. I have been the last 372 days. Um, it's been chaos, man. Chaos. So it's absolutely wild. So we were talking and producer producer Jake's like, how are we already in 2021? That was a blink of an eye. Hmm. 2021, and then we're hit with three UFC events in the course of eight days starting on January 16th. Yeah, hen- yeah. hence the reason why we're recording now and bringing in the idea of, of covering the Cater or Holloway Cater card as much as we can now, um, knowing full well 
all things are sub- subject to change. We've actually had a hell of a time even putting a bout order together tonight because none of that stuff has been finalized yet. Uh, and I don't believe it will be until they get closer to Fight Island. So we're going to go over the fights that we're seeing universally listed on this on this, uh, on this this card, if you will. Um, it's not meant to be an all, all-inclusive. It's just the ones that no matter what outlet we look at, up to and including official UFC uh, website currently listed. There are other ones that are sporadically intermixed here and there, but we're going to cover as many of them as we can. The ones that we miss, we'll always circle back and touch on, right? This is this is pre the the goddamn COVID, dude. Gosh darn, COVID, <laughs> COVID, bro. Um, yeah, it's weird, man. Um, I mean, listen, I've knock wood, I'm I'm have not brushed into said COVID. Um, but it's it's a weird thing. Are, are you familiar with Saving Private Ryan? Greatest movie of all time. Tom okay. Hanks, stellar performance. Stellar performance. Um, are you familiar then with Black Hawk Down? Of course. Another stellar military know, raw, movie. Raw, raw military movie. Right, yeah. right, right. So Tom Sizemore plays a character in Black Hawk Down that just kind of walks around, doesn't really take cover, doesn't really do much. Uh, isn't really generally concerned about anybody other than his men and and not to align myself with such a, a momentous figure, but I operate very much the same way. I, listen, man, I, we're, everybody's got different beliefs when it comes to this thing. And, and, and I try to respect as many of them as I can, but I am Tom Sizemore in Black Hawk Down. I'm just walking around doing living my life the most I possibly can uh, given the current climate. And if something happens, it happens. I, I just... I cannot allow myself to live in fear anymore. 2020 put me in a, in a state of hysteria for about six months and I just don't have the energy for it anymore. You're on a different level. I, I put myself <laughs> in parallel with maybe Mark Wahlberg in the movie, Ted, just getting drunk with my teddy bear, dude. That's, that's pretty get, much my barometer. <laughs> right. Right. Just getting drunk with your thunder buddy. I, listen, I'm okay with that too. I, I, whatever helps you get through the day. I will say that your locks are getting longer. You got more flow, more quaff to the locks. What's going on here? We use a new product. Do we need a haircut? What are we doing here? It's it's that natural seawater. It just adds that volume. It adds that poof. Yeah. It's looking good, man. Yeah. I see that, man. It really, it really, it's really got like a very salty, crispy uh, sailor approach to it. You know what it is though? What? It's the protein that's going in my body. Yeah, that, so, so I see how you're trying to push me to an ad read. I wasn't ready for it yet. I was going to ask you how your New Year's was and if you made any resolutions. Uh, my resolutions are to eat cleaner, mm-hmm. um, which could be done through Stay Classy. <laughs> so, so in 2021, are you doing the Stay Classy ad reads? <laughs> no, no, I'm not prepared yet. I can't do it justice because it's such like a high echelon type meat. I'm not there yet. I, again, Mark Wahlberg, Teddy Bear getting drunk. I'm getting there. I'm just not there yet. Resolutions though, going to just be a beast on the mat, dude. Every time I go to jiu-jitsu, it's game on. No more screwing around. Like, you know, who knows how long contact sports like this, especially from a recreational level, are going to keep going on. Support the small businesses and just move forward. That's probably a top of list. What's going on with your wing? I thought you had a busted wing. Are we just saying we foregoing the busted wing and just still going to jujitsu anyway? Actually, this sounds really weird and makes me look gnarlier than I am, but the bone that's protruding, if it ever locks up on me, I can press it back. Um, so it's kind of like I'm a Lego. Um, 
Call me Lego Batman is what I got. Gotcha. So if it pops out, you're just eh, and you're feeling better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. Well, your resolutions, though, sir, I'm sure they're a little bit more, um, you know, formalized and professional than mine. I am wearing a collared shirt. I will give you that. I don't necessarily know that my resolutions are more uh, polished than yours. I don't really necessarily know that I ascribe to the idea of resolutions, but I do like new beginnings and I do like the idea of what a new year can signify. It, it reminds me like the old days and the old ways. And you know, I'm a big fan of stuff like that. Um, I don't really have any resolutions other than to try to be, uh, you know, a better version of myself than I was in 2021. There was a, there was quite a few times in 2021 where I was like, I really feel like I should kick the shit out of myself right now. Like if I, if I knew me and wasn't me, I would kick the shit out of me. I just wasn't necessarily on my a game in 2020. Um, so I'm going to try to rectify some of those things in 2021. Um, up to and including, you know, trying to live a little bit healthier. Uh, I, I, I switched over, uh, you know, not drinking as much beer. Um, so I know you got one with you. I understand. I, I get it. And I, I commend, I commend you. Um, Gonna try to gonna try to clean things up a little bit in that regard. I will say this though, you know me. I love a good cookie. I love a good sweet. Um, mm. And the problem at, at the office now is everybody's bringing in all the holiday cookies that did not get touched during Christmas and New Year's. So there are just mountains of leftover truffles and cookies oh, and yeah. shit at the office, and I just I hate it, man. I hate it because my willpower when it comes to that stuff. Is you know what people do? Zero. I could see that. I mean, most people, like in an admin office, they put the candies there at the front of the desk mm -hmm. just to ensure that other people are getting fatter around them. So mm -hmm. people are coming to their office. Of course, they're going to pick up the M&Ms. They're going to have the Reese's Pieces. And in the middle of your conversation, maybe you're trying to get a promotion. You're trying to get a raise. That person, all he's thinking is, oh, look at this fat fuck yeah. just chewing on these M&Ms. I'm going to have to refill this thing by the time the guy leaves. And all the while, you're... You're loving your treats. You're loving your treats. Right. Yeah. I, it, they're slowly poisoning me and I'm not even, I'm not even letting them, I don't even re realize that I'm doing it. Yeah. So yeah. that's the hard part right now is just avoiding all of that stuff. I can pass an envelope of money on the sidewalk easier than I can pass a tray of cookies, dude. I, I don't know what it is, but then I'm telling you, man, there are certain fucking cookies that just call to your boy, man. They just do. I don't know what it is. It's just the way of the world in that regard. So uh, monster, dude. anyway, little Carla Esparza over there. A little, little, cookie, monster. A little cookie monster. <laughs> num, num, num. Um, so, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, but yeah, if, if you want to eat clean, if you do not want to eat straight garbage, like your boy, if you don't want to be a trash panda raccoon like me, uh, go to stay classy meats, use promo code fist, save 10%. On the entire thing, and uh, it, it is—it's the cleanest, best meat on the planet Earth. Uh, we're going to talk about it a little bit later on too, with with, with our boy Calvin Cater headline in this card. He's a stay classy athlete, and I'm telling you right now, if a guy's fighting Max Holloway, is putting this stuff in his body, uh, you know full dang well uh, mm -hmm. that you can trust the quality of it. Because if one of the most elite athletes on the planet is using it, and and listen, if you go to Stay Classy's website, you can see the Olympic and world champion level athletes that they sponsor. It's amazing and humbling to Trey and I that they even talk to us given the given the volume and the quality of people that they do business with. I'm amazed that they talk to us. It, it's everything that, that I could have ever hoped for to, to have them as a sponsor on the show. So promo code FIS, save 10%. I'm done. Go ahead. Guys, also, um, obviously putting the best food in your body, you need to drape your body with the best stuff. 
I've gotten to that point, Dale, where I'm a, I'm a large, like through and through. That's what I am. Right. I'm worried though, that I'm creeping up to that XL and that's, you know, I got to stay away from that. I got to eat some more, stay classy. The great thing about Allegiance clothing is they have a taper with their butter blend. It doesn't matter if you're a large, it makes you look like you're wearing a medium. It's perfectly drapes your body, conforms to the muscles, the tones, your body, whatever it is. Guys, you can wear these dope clothes. You can look like an absolute stud. You just got to go to allegianceclothing.com, type in the code punch. You're going to get 15% off site-wide. So let me ask you something real quick. Because here's a fun fact for those listening to the show and those that, that watch us on live stream, either when it's live or after the fact. So shout out to the people that watch us way after the fact when it's not live. We don't ever acknowledge you guys. I want to acknowledge you guys uh, and gals that watch us even after we're live and the people that listen to the show but don't watch the live stream and vice versa. Fun fact, Trey's in San Diego. I'm in Charleston, South Carolina. We have never met in <laughs> yeah. person. This is a strict internet bromance. Okay. How tall are you? I'm five. Well, I don't want to short shame you if you're I, short, but how tall are you? What's the, the male female ratio watching this dude? I don't know how to answer this question. I, you answer it honestly and you own it because confidence comes from within. So not what's on my driver's license. Just tell me how tall you are. <laughs> five ten. Okay. That's, that's the average size male. That's yeah. you. You are a normal Anglo-Saxon size male. So that's what I'm saying. If you're, if you're a large creeping up on an XL and you and I are the same height, although I'm a little bit taller than you, that's, I just, I just need to, I'm just trying to, just trying to gauge things out. Plus we've, we've created a couple enemies over the holiday. So I want people to know if you're going to talk shit, uh, what size person is going to come greet you at the door whenever that time comes. Oh yeah. 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 Oh man. I've got, yeah, we did create a lot of enemies. Um, <laughs> The Grinch side came out, but um, <laughs> look, man, you can't. We can't be happy all the time. We can't be happy all the time. No, no. So that's all right. Five ten with fucking guns, dude. That's what I'm saying. And, and you, you also run ten miles at a time, which is ludicrous. I'm not running ten miles unless I'm being chased for nine and a half. That's absurd. That's because I got lost. Yeah. Huh? I got lost. That's got true. Lost. You did get lost. Yeah, there was a lot. There, there was more to it than that. All right, yeah. we've been beating around the bush. We we played catch up here for coming up on. Shit, I don't know how long, how long, 13 minutes. Let's go ahead and get into the show. Before we do, guys, every single line that we're bringing to you this week is brought to you by Bet Online. Go to Bet Online, uh, use promo code armchair, take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Trey, do me a favor, write down this timestamp for this, please. 6 14 Pacific time. That doesn't mean anything to me, like the time in the show. Producer Jake, timestamp this, please. 13 minutes, 51 seconds. Um, so use promo code armchair. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Appreciate everybody that's made the switch over to Bet Online. We're probably going to get Dave Mason back on at one more, one more time before the Connor Poirier fight, where he's going to break down all the betting trends. We're working on getting Dave back on for that uh, to try to bring you guys the most up-to-date info we can on that. So, um, Trey. Are you ready to get into the very first card of 2021? We're back on Fight Island. Oh, you can see the. Uh, 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 you can see it, but we're back. We're back on Fight Island. Are you ready? 69%. I'm ready to fucking shit pump this card, dude. Okay. So we're, like I said, we're going to try to work our way through this, 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 uh, this card as best we can. Um, so let's, 
rubbing a crystal ball here. The first fight on the main card, Punhel Soriano versus Dusko Todorovic. 7-0, taking on 10-0. Mm-hmm. We got a battle of undefeated pro- prospects. I'm going to be honest with you, Trey. This is a fight that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Again, they're undefeated prospects. I don't know why you'd have them fight each other this early. There's plenty of other talent sitting out there in the middleweight, light heavyweight area. I don't know why you have to have these guys fight right now. But here we are. They are going to fight. It is going to go down January 16th, uh, COVID-free. What are you thinking? How do we think that this fight is going to play out? Dusko Todorovic, I think this is one that the UFC wants to put a lot of weight in and a lot of stock. I think he can be a star. He's got KO power. He plods forward. He never looks like a guy that has great cardio in his fights, which is going to be a problem with Soriano, which, ah, dude, God damn it. Here we go. Another Hawaiian. You know me. All 2020, I bet on my Hawaiians. Hawaiians scrap. They've got great cardio tanks. Maki Patola, when we look back at that type of, of Hawaiian fighter, though, his cardio tank fell. Soriano's got a much better cardio tank than a Maki Patolo, and he scraps. I don't think he he carries the knockout power that Dusko has, which makes me really nervous. I do like this kind of going more towards the distance here, but you know me. This is where a little bit of bias comes in. I want to fare with a Hawaiian, but Dusko looks really good. He looked really good at the Daquan Townsend fight. Um, he's got that KO power, and I think with Hawaiians, yes, they can scrap, but can they take that heavy fist? Yeah, this is a fight that personally um, I'm probably not going to bet on uh, or be looking to do too much with because I feel at least initial leaning towards Soriano here. Um, And the reason for that is, is there were some things in the Todorovic fight against Townsend that really kind of made me nervous. And you alluded to some of that when you're talking about the plodding forward, right? He is very flat footed. He does not cut angles. He does not move his head off the center line. He walks forward. He also carries his chin very high and his hands very low. He throws punches like a rock'em sock'em robot. Everything comes in short, crisp, (laughs) like it's just very much robot go forward hulk smash style um i think a person with better than average boxing with better than average head movement and footwork really could present some problems to someone like him and we have not seen him uh really get pieced up busted up or face a whole lot of adversity despite having a couple decision wins they weren't necessarily fights where he had to scrape himself up off the mat to make it happen Uh, i think that there's an opportunity here for soriano from a cardio standpoint i think there's an opportunity from a fundamental standpoint to win this fight but he's got to stay away from the power and that always makes me nervous Dan Henderson made a career out of telling people exactly how they could beat him and still going out and winning fights, right? How you beat Dan Henderson, don't let him hit you with the H-bomb. And he would still go out there and hit you with an H-bomb. Wouldn't do shit else except hit you with that. But you know what? He made a living and a career and a darn good one at that by implementing a game plan that people already knew what was coming and they already knew how to avoid it. He could still do it anyway. Same thing with Dusko Todorovic here, which is a huge compliment. You know exactly what he's going to do. He's going to walk forward and try to punch your head off your shoulders. Dusko, or I'm sorry, Soriano has to cut angles. He has to set traps. He has to pump that jab. He's got to mix up takedown. He's got to mix up clinch. He's got to punish and make Dusko carry him and utilize that gas tank. He has to make him work. He has to make him work. He's got to survive round one. I know that's a lot of ifs. That's a lot of variables um, in order to make that happen. 
I'm not totally sold on the fact that he'll be able to do it. I slight lean for me, very slight lean towards Soriano, but at that, it's a very slight lean. You know what I'm sold on is Soriano's nickname, Storytime. Dude, that mm-hmm. is that's quintessential Hawaiian. Oh, one one story time, yeah. That's what we do. One story time. Oh, go get some spam and rice, yeah. Is that how they talk there? I've never been. I don't know. I don't get to travel much. Oh yeah. Yeah. I probably, I mean, every Hawaiian's probably like burying themselves right now with how atrocious that is. But yeah, they do say story time and uh, that's a great nickname. So okay. that's awesome. The way you sounded, I would have thought he was French Canadian, the way you ah. said that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When it came out of my mouth, I was I was hearing it, and I was just like, "That's that's not it." But you know, whatever. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go with that. Cool. Right. cool. We'll go with that. Story time. That's an that's a, okay. Jacob Kilburn at eight and three taking on Austin Lingo at seven and one. Jacob Kilburn is going to be the underdog here taking on Austin Lingo. Lingo's at a minus two twenty. Kilburn at a plus one eighty five. Over under on rounds here, Trey. Is it two and a half? Initial thoughts leaning into this fight. I like Lingo, and I think there's an opportunity for an inside the distance play here. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these guys are aggressive. Uh, both of them throw with ill intent, and both of them have the ability to get the fight finished, whether they're standing or on the ground. I don't necessarily hate an inside the distance play here, but I do like Lingo at the minus 220. I think Vegas has him right as the favorite, um, and I, I anticipate him being able to get uh, a quality win and a showcase of talent win at that on uh, the, the 16th here. Yeah, Lingo out of Fortis MMA. Um, speaking of like Soriano and not really or utilizing angles, this is what Lingo does. Lingo is able to cut those angles off. He's not a guy that's going to circle the cage. He's going to take those angles and come right at you. He's got great technical boxing. Kilburn, on the other hand, he's a guy that's just got wild, unorthodox striking, and that poses a lot of issues. He did that in the Billy Quarantino fight. He literally threw an overhand right got stomped, ends up getting a triangle choke, I think, against him or yeah. something like that. I don't yep. know. Ends up getting submitted. Um, he's had a bunch of submissions against him, and that's because he just leaves himself wide open. He's had a couple of Dars chokes against him, against Bobby Moffitt. I mean, the guy is wild to a fault, which leaves him completely vulnerable to chokes, submissions, whatever it is. I think Lingo, with someone that has technical boxing and cutting off those angles, can get in, get out. I think this is, you know, appropriately placed at minus 220. I'm going to go with Lingo here. Yeah. I mean, the thing with, you know, obviously we're looking at Lingo. He's coming off a loss to Yusuf Zalal. Um, but Yusuf had himself a hell of a year uh, until, you know, the hype train got slightly derailed. But if you're looking at quality of opponent, I mean, a guy like Lingo really cut his teeth in LFA, which I believe LFA to be a quality promotion as far as a, a lower league that prepares you for the UFC. Obviously, they're showing that the contender series is kind of the new the new foot in the door is a win in the contender series. And he does not have a win in the contender series to speak of, but he does have multiple wins in LFA, which is what he used to get his shot in the UFC. Obviously lost that fight to Yusuf Zalal. Uh, but if you look at a guy like, <clears throat> excuse me, if you look at a guy like Jacob Kilburn, all three of his losses, like you alluded to, they have come to guys uh, via choke. He's lost via triangle. He's lost via Darce, and He's lost via rear naked. Um, when he was on the contender series, he lost to Bobby Moffitt on the contender series. When he did get it, make it to the big show, he lost to Billy Q. So his losses are to, uh, UFC level talent, and he has, you know, a deficiency in his game that's been exposed. So I don't necessarily know that Lingo is going to go out there and get a submission win, 
Um, but I don't see a path to victory for Kilburn other than being wild, maybe catching them or getting a very, um, I don't know, it's a contentious split decision. I don't think he's going to go out there and dominate from bell to bell. I think it's either, you know, Kilburn by split decision or Austin Lingo by any way you want him. Yep. Totally agree. Excellent. All right. Next fight, Joaquin Buckley taking on Alessio DeChirico. Joaquin Buckley at 12 and 3, DeChirico at 12 and 5. This fight just came about pretty recently. Uh, Buckley at a minus 280, riding the hype train all the way to, to a, a massive line there against a grizzled veteran in Alessio DeChirico. Uh, plus 220 on there. And the over under on rounds is at two and a half. I think an inside the distance play is probably something to look for here. But I also like Buckley. As long as he's not drinking his own Kool-Aid too much, um, I think that he should be able to beat DeChirico, but I, I'm not completely sold on it. But what do you think? Buckley's, yeah, he's coming in with the power. He's definitely got the momentum. And he's got those – he's got them titties, dude. His body composition is funky. Have you noticed that? He's got to wear custom shirts um, because he, he, he's, very, he's, got a, he's, he's got a chest. He has a chest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it's wild. Um, that's like corn-fed straight-up strength, and that's what he's been able to utilize. I will mm. say in his last fight, it was kind of interesting. When he, when he moved forward, um, he went with purpose, and it was almost like I need to go for a KO finish to capitalize on my viral moment with Impa. Like he, mm-hmm. he needed to one-up himself. And like you said, when he plays into that Kool-Aid, that makes me really nervous. With a veteran like Alessio – now, do I think Alessio is going to clip him and knock him out? Absolutely not. He's a very well-rounded fighter. He's very vanilla, hence why his record is like roughly 500. Alessio is a guy that can get in and he is UFC caliber, but he's not going to get you out. Buckley is a guy that will get you out, and I think if he maintains his composure and utilizes that strength, this should be over fairly quickly. Yeah, to me, it's a matter of I just don't know how good DeChirico is, to be honest with you. I know, I mean, obviously, um, we, we've got a little bit of the whole, you know, um, Italian wave with Marvin Vittori. Is he going to is he going to be able to capitalize on any of that momentum? But if you look at, at who DeChirico's lost to, uh, lost to Zach Cummings. We we won money on that. Uh, so thank you, thank you, Zach Cummings. There, Mahmoud Muradov lost there, lost to Kevin Holland, who has a win over Joaquin Buckley, but also lost to Eric Spicely, which is very interesting to me that he that he lost to Eric Spicely because I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not totally sold on Eric Spicely being all that good. Uh, but then he's got another loss too to Bojan Velasovic. And I like Bojan Velasovic. It's it's amazing to me that he's not in the UFC still, uh, but I like Bojan a lot. So I I. I don't fault him for losing that fight, but what's crazy to me and, and, and what's giving me pause is that he's got two wins, one over Olawali Bangbosi, who is a, just a powder keg of power and a win over Julian Marquez and Marquez is a, is a prospect to watch. I, that's, that's a crazy, that's a crazy thing to have a win over that. So it, it, gives me pause because I feel like somewhere deep down inside of DeChirico, he's got elite level talent in him. If he can beat guys like a powerhouse in Olawali Bambosi, who we who we're going to see a powerhouse in Joaquin Buckley, or a wrestler do everything kind of guy like um Marquez. So he's got at some point in time, he has showcased the skills to put it all together, but he's lost three in a row. 
So do we put anything in stock-wise on his back being against the wall, the pink slip possibly being there if he does not get a, a win against Joaquin Buckley? He has to win here or he's getting cut. He has to. Well, I don't think there's any value in taking Joaquin at minus 280 unless you're going to utilize him, obviously, as a parlay piece. But what I'm actually really interested in is the over two and a half. And I know that's crazy when you are a KO-seeking machine like Joaquin Buckley. Alessio's never been finished in, in his MMA career, ever. Hmm. Not being finished, knowing your back's against the wall, you got a pink slip on your locker. I think this is an opportunity for him to use an output and move around the cage as much as a scared animal can be and try and get a decision win out of here. But I like that over two and a half. And I'm curious what that's coming in as because that could be a sneaky little play right there. Let me look real quick while you got while you're while you're talking about it. It's weird that you're looking at it as the over. I'm, and I guess I guess if you're looking at the Cherico being able to execute game plan, that is the play to make. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're looking at Buckley being able to execute game plan, that would be oh, so the over under at two and a half is to pick them. Ooh, okay. So I, I, again, if you, if you feel Buckley, I feel like I'd probably take Buckley in the under. If mm-hmm. you feel like Buckley, but you're not that confident in it, you feel like the Cherico might do something, maybe the over. Um, but I mean, I would be more so looking to Buckley as a parlay piece. I think come fight night, Buckley will probably be one of the most used parlay pieces come fight night for betting. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then coming event, Li Jing Liang versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. Ponzinibbio back after, dude, I don't even think your kids were alive. <laughs> they were <laughs> um, The last time Ponzinibbio fought, 27 and 3. Taking on Li Jingliang, the leech himself at 17 and 6. Uh, Jingliang, a rightful underdog here, plus 240. Santiago Ponzanibio, minus 280. Running around here, trades at one and a half. People forget how good Ponzanibio really is. I know Vegas is giving him a lot of credit here for how good he was coming off the Neil Magny win oh so many years ago. Um, you know, this guy almost dang near died. Um, and now here he is, he's back. He's got a stiff test in him for not having any octagon time in a very durable, very game, very awkward Li Jingliang. This is a tough fight for me. It's not as cut and dry as just going, oh, Ponzinibbio minus 280. Um, I'm being completely honest with you. This is a fight I'm looking to avoid entirely based on the fact that I don't know what kind of Ponzinibbio we're going to see after the better part of, what, three years away? Uh, I think it was from, yeah, 2018. Um, <clears throat> that's when he last fought Neil Magny, right? Let me see. Right around then. <clears throat> no, 2000, yeah, 2018, 11, 17, 2018. Okay, so I'm not going to say Lee's last name. I'm just going to go with Lee. You sound like you lived in China for like 15 years, the way that it beautifully came off your tongue, but I'm not. My Mandarin's that. a little, my Mandarin could use some work, but I'm okay. Go ahead. That was decent. Okay, so Lee is predominantly a counter striker. He he literally does his work following whatever comes his way. And I think that's a really tough thing for Santiago Ponzinibbio. When he's a guy that's going to pressure you forward, he's going to try and strike first. He's going to try and land first. That's where Lee likes to be worked. And I think for Lee, it's an interesting thing because he's not the strongest dude. He's not the most durable guy. And when you have someone like Santiago who has KO power, that's a really dangerous game to play. It's also extremely dangerous for Lee to play that game when he's taking this fight what's relatively on short notice for him. I think this is a good fight for Santiago to come back into. Even though it's a tough fight, it's a guy taking a short notice fight. It's someone that's not going to overpower you. 
Santiago, the, the, the thing that really makes me nervous though, is where's his health really at? These aren't like, oh, he was injured. He had ACL stuff. It's like the dude had bacterial infections that almost like killed him. Yeah. He's coming also off crazy arthritis, arthritis in the UFC. Like what? <laughs> dude, yeah. Those are two really gnarly things. And when you look at that, it's like, oh my gosh. Can I, can he get in and get out really quickly or is someone going to pepper him and just wear him down, erode his bones, make that arthritis, just scream in pain. Uh, this is a tough fight. I'm going to take Ponsonibio, but I don't want to play any part in this whatsoever. I'm not a doctor. I don't think arthritis works that way, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> it could be wrong. I mean, all I know is like my grandma, when she sits down for too long, her arthritis acts up. I don't know necessarily if she were to wrestle if it would aggravate her arthritis. I don't necessarily, again, not a doctor. I'm not a learned, I'm not a learned doctor. I have no idea if that's how it works or not. Um, I just don't know if that's something we should. If you have arthritis and you're trying to punch with arthritis, that's Bro, kind no. of, it's like, it's like, it doesn't work what? like that. Yeah, like, dude. It's like, it's no, like, it works like that. It's like brittle bones, man. It's, it's going to hurt to the core of the bone. <laughs> I, again, not a doctor, not, yeah. sure, not, not sure it works that way. I do want to, I do want to one more caveat on this before we move on to the main event here. Um, if you're looking at Santiago Ponsonibio's, <laughs> who he's lost to in the UFC, uh, you know, he, he, he lost to Ryan LaFleur, right? So it's two losses inside the octagon or to, to Lorenz Larkin, who knocked him out and to Ryan LaFleur. Now, Ryan LaFleur has the stand up of, the your, your average guy out on the out on the street but his wrestling his grind his pace when he was active is elite right um so you know that that's something that concerns me when i look at a guy like lee jingliang is that that he has that ability to just press you up against the cage dump you to the mat mat return mat return mat return over and over and over again if he chooses to do that now what we've seen with Lee, though, is that he will stand and throw and spin and get wild and crazy. He doesn't necessarily, you know, do what he should. He does not necessarily have a very high fight IQ to get the job done no matter what. Um, so I, I can't bank on him coming out there and being like we like we talked about with Michelle Pereira. Right. I can't count on you and I'm not going to put money on you coming out and being the most well-informed, high fight IQ best executing version of yourself when my money's on the line. I need to see that you can do it first and then I'll do it. Right. So um, I'm going to avoid this fight altogether. I'm not throwing Pons and Ebio in any parlays or anything like that. I don't trust them being away for two plus years. Um, and Li Jing Leong is a decent dog play, but I don't trust him enough to do what he needs to do to get the fight, get the fight done. In all honesty, I'm I'm avoiding this fight. Maybe looking at playing over one and a half if I'm my if I'm really down on units for the night and I need to make a comeback. Maybe that. Outside of that, I'm avoiding entirely. Apparently, producer Jake got his PhD because he's saying that arthritis is the swelling and tenderness of one or more of your joints. That doesn't sound fun to punch with, brother. It doesn't. You're absolutely right. I, I see that. Um, Producer Jake, I appreciate that. Next time, just throw that up on the screen so that way uh, we've got it there. Um, but yeah, or maybe like put like the, the little thing that's like N for like noun or verb, you know, whatever it is. Well, this is, see moments like this are our 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 um, Jamie pull that up right like, the, yeah. like when Rogan play, like Jamie pull that up. This is that this is that time. 
producer Jake, stuff like this where we're arguing on this, this is your time. This is our Jake, pull that up. This is our Jamie, pull that up. Yeah, but throw, just do it in drawings. Like just draw it. Throw it, throw, throw it on the screen, hop yeah. in, say something. I don't care what you do. You know, we've established at this point. Um, we don't have to worry about you coming on here and, and saying weird off color stuff or anything like that. You can you can just interject as you please um, and just throw stuff up there. So appreciate appreciate the the uh, the medical definition. You're right. It doesn't sound fun to punch when you've got tender joints. But I feel like guys and girls that fight with like broken orbitals and all kinds of stuff like that. They're not worried about some tenderness of the knuckles. Again, I not a doctor. I don't have arthritis. I don't, I don't know. So anyway, I'm just a mediocre MMA better. All right, here we go. Main event of the evening, Max Holloway at 21 and six, taking on Calvin Cada at 22 and four. Look, we're, we're I'm going to break this down as best I possibly can while avoiding the brand bias that exists with having a fellow sponsored athlete uh, well, I'm not a oh, sponsored athlete. That's not fair. A fellow sponsored person on fighting on the show, right? We got to set fanboyism aside here. We got to set uh, pseudo professional colleagueism aside here, and um, try to figure out who who we think is going to win this fight. Max Holloway minus one fifty, uh, Calvin Cater at a plus one thirty. Trey, what do you think is going to happen in this fight come fight night? Well, I think you got one guy that's eating tomahawk steaks, and you got mm. another guy that's eating cupcakes here. Okay. Um, Cater is an interesting cat in this fight, and I say that because I think people are putting a lot of weight in the two losses that Max Holloway had against Alexander Volkanovsky. Alexander Volkanovsky is supposed to be this guy that's this kind of small boxing technical striker, but when you have someone that is, by definition, a technical boxer, who also is going to have a three-inch reach advantage. That is different. This isn't a, a jockey coming in and fighting Max Holloway. This is a, a grown human. This is a big dude that has a three-inch reach advantage and great technical boxing. I don't think that he has to deal with any grappling. There's no defensive, uh, you know, keeping this on the feet. Both these guys are going to want to stand and bang. And I think we've seen Cater's fight, whether that was with Jeremy Stevens or whomever, he throws some variables into his boxing that are really, really clutch. His elbows, his his Muay Thai, his knees. This guy is extremely well-rounded, and I think people are kind of pigeonholing him into just this technical boxing. He is way, way more broad than that. And I think this is going to be a, a big test for Max Holloway. Yes, he's been on the big stage, but big stage, this is Fight Island. There's no one around. This is Cater going back to Massachusetts and just hanging with the boys and just throwing freaking bows, dude. He's just chucking knucks. Is that what you're saying? Chucking knucks. You think he's chucking knucks? Yeah. So here's the thing. It's like we're talking about a Max Holloway that if he were to lose on Saturday, on Saturday the 16th, um, or whatever day that is, I believe that's a Saturday card. Um, if he were to lose on the 16th, you're talking about a, a, a Max Holloway that's lost four of his last five, which seems very difficult to wrap my head around. Um, a Max Holloway that that is losing that frequently, right? Um so that that's a bit concerning to me because I, I just don't like the way that trends from a numbers perspective. You don't have a guy that goes on a win streak that Max Holloway does and then have have a that big of a of a shift in the losing direction. Now, I say all that knowing full well that Max Holloway for the last five years has been fighting the most elite competition that the featherweight division has to offer and is continuing to do so. 
So it's not unreasonable to expect them to alternate wins and losses or have have some da- a downturn uh, in performances. What concerns me, and shout out to MMA by the numbers, uh, which is a great uh, MMA account that you can follow on Instagram, Twitter, and I think they have a YouTube channel as well. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and promote them here. Uh, they put out a, a graphic today, yesterday, something like that, that uh, really kind of kind of shook me up a little bit because I, I had a point I was going to make anyway, but here we are. There are only four fighters in UFC history that have absorbed more than 900 significant strikes. Oh. Max Holloway is one of those four. Now, of those four, right, because we got the big eyes there, of those four, three of which were knocked down a combined seven times, right? Three of which were knocked down a combined seven times. Do you know how many times Max Holloway has been knocked down in the UFC? Zero. Zero. Yeah. My man has absorbed over 900 significant strikes in his career and has been knocked down zero times. That does not make that does not give me the warm and fuzzies when it comes to betting on him standing there and boxing Calvin Cater. I like Calvin Cater a lot. I I, I enjoy his skill set as a as as a person who enjoys the sweet science of boxing more than any other aspect of fighting. Um, you know, you're a jujitsu guy. I'm a boxing guy. I love watching Calvin Cater fight. I am concerned about the fact that he's going up against a guy that has never been knocked down, despite the fact that he's absorbed over 900 significant strikes. The flip side of that coin is, is that some point in time that brain is going to go, I don't like being hit anymore. And if Calvin Cater can hit him cleanly, which I believe that he will, this might be the time where we see the lights go out. Boy, does that sound ridiculous to say, given the stats I just gave you, mm-hmm. but man, is that give me pause? And it really makes this, a very difficult choice for me on where I want to put my money on Saturday night. I will say this though, is that I'm going to let this normally, right. And we, when we had Dave Mason on the show, he told us the best time to bet a fight is as soon as it's announced. That's when the lines are going to be as unadulterated as possible before the sharps can come in and start, you know, moving the, the line around. This is a fight. I'm going to wait until damn near walkout to bet because if I'm up on the night, I'm going to bet on Calvin Cater. Okay. If I'm down on the night, I'm probably just going to stay away from the fight because I just don't I don't want to I don't want to chase the dragon with Cater and try to bring myself back from the depths by betting on an underdog, but if I if I've got a little play money and I'm looking to throw some sprinkles on my cupcakes, um I'm going to throw some money on Calvin Cater. If I'm down I will either probably avoid or I'll go with the, the safer money in Max Holloway. But this is going to be, dude, this is going to be a game time decision for me because I really don't know what to expect here. The momentum of Rob Font butchering Marlon Rice has got me thinking that the New England cartel takeover is real and that it's coming mm-hmm. right now. But I, again, I, you know me, I don't like buying into hype. So I, I've got to, I've got to suppress my emotions when it comes to, you know, how I feel about stuff like that. I think that this is the moment we've talked about this for a while that Max Holloway's got the marbles going in his mouth. And I think the marbles are finally going to dribble out. And mm. I say that because we saw him regardless of him not going down or, you know, to your stat, he's never been knocked down. He has been rocked. He got rocked mm. by Dustin Poirier. He got rocked by Jose Aldo. 
it's happened. And do I think that Dustin Poirier or Aldo carry the same type of viciousness that we saw Cater and Jeremy Stevens? I think this is the moment we see those lights go out. And this is at a value right now. I, I don't think it's going to get wider. I, if anything, it's going to get much closer. And I think Cater is going to get a lot of value at plus 131 right now. I'm jumping all over it, man. Tomahawk stakes for the boys. Yeah, I think I, I can't I can't count on either of these guys getting a finish though. I don't I don't right. like playing an inside the distance play. Right. Um over under is rightly set at four and a half. I just I can't ride the fact that this is gonna be um that this is that 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 this is going to get end inside the distance. I know I'm concerned about the brain health of Max Holloway. I know that I, I feel like the Calvin Cater boxing can be the difference maker, but you know, we have yet to see, I just, I don't necessarily, I don't know, man. It just feels impossible to me that Max Holloway can drop three fights in a row. Mm. I just, I just don't see, I know where people, people want to talk about it, whether or not he's the consensus greatest featherweight of all time or not, regardless of whether or not you thought he, he clearly won the second fight with Volkanovsky. I think Volkanovsky put on a master class the first time they fought. I think the second time Max Holloway reversed, flipped the coin the other side and put on a master class against Volkanovsky. That was one of the, in my opinion, one of the worst, one of the worst judging um, examples I I can think of. Um, I just, outside of a bad decision again, I just don't see how Max Holloway loses three in a row, man. I just, again, I could be wrong and I've been wrong before. Um, You know, last time that, Holloway fought a good boxer, if you want to call Dustin Poirier a boxer. Poirier screwed him up, man. He, that yeah. was that he put a beating on him um, the last time he fought a great boxer. And I don't necessarily know I'm going to classify Dustin Poirier as a great boxer. He's a he's a very good boxer. Um, he's got very good stand up. Um, last time we saw Max Holloway fight a guy like that, he got pieced up and it was bad and it was ugly. Um, so yeah, I mean he's got a lot of miles on him, but. Maybe he's got one good left, good one good one left in him. I don't know. Um, safe money's Holloway, but scared money don't make money. So maybe caters the call here. I, I, again, fight night decision for me. Uh, hit us up on Instagram f- night of the fight, and we'll see where we're going. But I'll tell you right now, if we're down on the night, um, probably lean Holloway. If I'm up, I'll probably go cater. I know which seems counterintuitive logic wise, but that's where I'm at. So. Well, we're going to be up because we're heading into the prelims right now, and this is where we cut our teeth. This is where we cut our teeth. This is a prelim. This is where we get cut at the knees of the, the prelims. Like the last three events, man, the prelims have made us their bitch. But we're going to do. <laughs> we're we're going to bring things around here, man. All right, let's let's rifle through these because we were doing uh, going through uh, spent spent a lot of time there on that main card. Uh, and again, guys, all these lines are brought to you by. Bet online. Go to Bet online. Use promo code Armchair and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. All right, let's get this moving. First fight that we can see. Your dude, your chick right here, man. Oh, man, thicker than a snicker. Betch Kohea taking on Wu Yan Yan uh, at ten and three, and Betch is at eleven five and one. Boy, I man, I'll tell you what, bro. I'll tell you what. <laughs> This one's, you know, Betch is at a minus 110. Your girl Wu is at a minus 120. Overrunner on rounds is at two and a half here. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought Betch Kahea retired. I thought after her last fight, she said she was done. So this is interesting to me. I thought that this fight was, I thought this was a wrap. Um, this it, is her retirement fight. Is it her retirement fight? It is. It was supposed to be in December, but then she got COVID 
and then here we are. This is it. This Not is the it. Rona you know too? Dude, she's 37. Is that what? When did that happen? I mean, yeah, I guess. I, I guess she's 37. I mean, cool. I, I don't understand. I don't know how I feel about Betch Cahaya. How do you feel about her? Let's just talk about let's talk about objectify her slightly, but also tell me how you feel about her as a fighter. Well, I'm never a fan of fighters that miss weight, and mm. Beth Beth has been one that's always done that. This is, makes me even more nervous. This is the first card following the holiday season, and regardless of how professional UFC fighters are, Beth Korea has never really, you know, stuck to her diet plan pre-fight. Coming off Christmas, coming off New Year's, this is freaking horrible, dude. This is her retirement fight, though, so I'm hoping that she's going to come and determined to want to put a stamp on her career and move forward. A 37-year-old versus Wu, who is, what, 24? Mm-hmm. A decade younger than her? Mm. Up mm. on the rise, prospect. She's got a lot of energy. She's one of those type of girls that comes in, and she's you know, a typical like Chinese-type fighter. They throw the three, four, five, six, seven you know, punch combinations. They're just output, mm. output, output, output. Mm. Versus someone like Beth, who's going to lay heavy. She's going to try and get this thing to the ground, utilize her ground and pound. This fight makes me nervous because I want to see the. You know, t- I want to see what Beth looks like at Lance. If she looks in shape, she's going to look motivated. I'm going to take Beth on this as a flyer and say, "Hey, this is she's going to stamp her career." Woo, though. Don't tell me you're going to put some weight in Woo. She's one and two in the UFC. She she's what? Uh, didn't she she lost by armbar? She won by armbar. She won by armbar. She, she beat Lauren Mueller. By- She's not going to win by armbar against Beth Korea. And she's, you know, having those type of combinations and the, the three, four, five, six combinations, there's no weight. There's no power in that. Beth's going to eat that thing up. You know, I'm shocked you're shaking your head at me right now. I feel like Wu is where it's at. She's a win one, lose one fighter. She lost her debut. She beat Lauren Mueller. Then she lost her next fight. I think I think she I think she gets the W here. I think Betchkahea has been washed. Um, her record is salty for a reason because she's not very good. She is one dimensional. She's one dimensional. She walks forward. Um, she tries to throw as best that she can. Um, she is there to be hit. Her head movement is non-existent. She is slow as the day is long. She can't do much of anything other than just take punishment. Um, she's very, very good at just outlasting wars of attrition where you just can't, she got a, that giant head, that mm-hmm. giant nose, and it can take damage. It, it's like if Bigfoot Silva was a woman oh. and you put Bigfoot Silva's head mm. on a woman's body, that's what she's got going on. The only difference is that Bigfoot Silva's punchy and Betch Cahaya is not. Mm-hmm. I just think that she's done, dude. When you start talking about retirement for as long as Betch Cahaya has been talking about retirement, and you're, you know, damn near 40, you want to start a family, you want to do this, that, and the other, bro, it's a wrap. She's taking this vacation to Abu Dhabi. She's going to hang out in the UAE, soak it up poolside, try not to get scorched alive by the sun in the summer there, and just chill out and get pieced up, take that 3027L and go back to Brazil. I do not want, do not want to bet on a Brazilian in Fight Island until I see a Brazilian win in Fight Island. This is going to be the first fight on Fight Island when we go back, and it's going to be a Brazilian. I damn sure I'm not betting on a Brazilian on Fight Island. They did terrible there last time they were there, and I'm not betting on Betch Cahaya. She gets none of my money ever, um, and, you know, Wu is where it's at, dude. Wu, 
Woo woo. I'm be- I'm telling you right now. And when she wins, I will be on our Instagram live doing Ric Flair. Woo! Whenever she wins, come January sixteenth. All right. Honestly, I'm once Beth gets to weigh-ins, if she makes weight, you know, this might have to be a little side side play for you and I. But I, dude, woo. When she beats Betch Cahaya, one of our because we're going to be launching merch this year too. I think I think we should do a Wu Clan, not Wu Tang Clan, because we'll obviously we'll get we'll get copyright. They'll they'll come at us, but we should do some Wu Clan shirts because I feel like Wu's this girl's got weight behind her, man. The Chinese takeover is real in women's MMA. All right, well, woohoo, woohoo, indeed. <laughs> Phil Hawes at nine and two taking on New Sardini Movov at nine and two as well. Phil Hawes is a brick shit house tray minus one sixty taking on Nasrudin Imovov at plus one forty over under on rounds here is it one and a half probably the most common play that you're going to see is Phil Hawes by knockout here. Do you think that that's what's going to happen? Or are we going to get a little bit more creative than that? <laughs> uh, we're definitely going to get more creative than that. Um, but that's that's what we that's what the public would think. You know, Phil Hawes he's he's Built so strong. I mean, the guy is straight muscle, which also leads you to believe that guys with heavy muscle like that don't tend to have the best cardio. No, Sardine, he's no stranger to Fight Island. I was bummed when he fought Jordan Williams because we had picked Jordan Williams, who was an athletic fighter. Obviously, he thought he got poked in the eye, and that was the whole reason he cried about it like a little bitch. No, Sardine, though, he's he's a he's a physical guy. He's he's very you know smooth on his feet. Phil Hawes is going to be much, 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 much more physical than Jordan uh, Jordan Williams was. He's going to be a guy that's going to bull rush you. He's going to try and get the knockout quick. Phil Hawes is a big step up comp- competition than from Jordan Williams, though. He's going to come in stronger. He's got those crazy dynamite leg kicks you got to watch out for, especially in the first and second round. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not a he's not a stranger either um, to fight on. I think he fought there. Um, didn't he fight there on the, the Gaethje card? Yeah, he knocked out Jacob Malkoon there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, Nusserdin is, you know, he's a live dog for sure. Um, he's he's good, but I just think that Phil's going to get it done, um, and he should get it done early. I like inside the distance for this more than anything. Hmm. Here's what, here's what makes me nervous about this fight. If you look at who Phil Hawes has lost to, right, Julian Marquez, Luis Taylor, and Andrew Sanchez. All UFC level talent, right? I do not believe necessarily, despite the fact that people, a lot of people think Jacob Malkoon is UFC level talent. We didn't see that. Uh, he, he got starched almost immediately, right? We, we did not see that in that fight. If you look at his contender series win, right, uh, at over Kazmarat Bestiev, again, where's Bestiev at? Is he fighting in the UFC? No, he's not a UFC level talent. So we've got Phil Hawes that has two wins inside the octagon, if you will, but they're not over UFC level talent. If you look at who he has lost to those three losses or two losses, rather one was an exhibition. The Andrew Sanchez fight was an exhibition. Um, if you look at those two losses, they come to UFC level talent. I think Imovov is a UFC level talent. Uh, they call him the Russian sniper for a reason. He is no stranger to having to fight guys that want to stand up and bang with them because that's, you know, if if you are cutting your teeth as a striker, you are in the gym getting good at striking. That's what makes you a striker. So you are fighting and sparring against guys that are giving you those looks that that's what makes you good. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily translate that every person you fight as a pro is going to sit there and want to throw hands with you. Um, but I think that he's not going to shy away from the idea of a physical conflict with Phil Hawes. 
what he cannot afford to do is go out there and get lazy and not get his timing very quickly because Phil Hawes has the ability to turn the lights out from a glancing blow. He is a brick shithouse. He is not uh, going to be deterred by fighting on that side of the planet either. If you remember, Phil Hawes used to fight in Brave FC, which is based over – you know, Eastern Bloc, Europe slash UAE area, depending on where they're, well, you know, where they're holding their events. But he's fought in Brave, so he's used to the trip. He's used to the flight. He's used to the food options. He's that the, the Fight Island means nothing to Phil Hawes, right? right? Um, Imovov, you know, French fighter. He does not have to go that far either. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal for him to fight uh, at Fight Island, you know, in that regard. But I don't necessarily know that I love Phil Hawes in this fight. I think Vegas reflects that the minus 160. That's kind of like saying we like you, but we don't love you in this fight. I think Imovov's got more than a fighting chance here. Don't necessarily know that I, I, I'm going to throw a lot of money on him or any money at all, but I do like Imovov's chances. Um, over under rounds is at one and a half. I kind of like the over there um, because if Phil Hawes can't get it done in round one, then he's got a real problem on his hands for round two and three. So maybe leaning over one and a half there, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I like over and a half. I like inside the distance, though. Phil Hawes, when you carry that muscle, you're going to gas out. You know, Nelson Redeem is a guy that he's got good footwork, but if you get clipped by Phil Hawes, you're going to be very flat-footed very quickly. So I think that <laughs> someone is going down, it's going to happen inside. Yeah, you'd be flat on your on your freaking back. You don't be flat footed. You'd be flat on your back if Phil Hawes catches you. That dude hits yeah. like a truck. Yeah, yeah. All right. Speaking of hitting like a truck, guys that are shaped like trucks, Carlos Philippe, <laughs> nine and one, taking on Justin Taffa at four and one. We got a heavyweight tilt here. These guys are going to be tipping the scales at two sixty five. Both of them are going to be cutting weight to make that two sixty five limit, despite the fact that they're both shorter than you and I are. Now that we've established how tall you are. Uh, Philippe, yes. <laughs> Philippe in a minus 190 favorite over Justin Toffa, plus 165 over on around is a one and a half here, Trey. Uh, kind of like Philippe coming off the, the strength of his last win, but don't necessarily know that I love it because we got heavyweights that are trying to punch each other in the face. Neither one of these guys are keen to take a step backwards. I don't necessarily know that we'll see it this fight either. Uh, I think that we're going to have two big boys meeting in, the, in the, the center of the octagon and throwing down. For as long as it lasts, uh, you know, these they have a common opponent in Jorgen De Castro. Uh, Philippe mm-hmm. beat Jorgen, and Toffa uh, got knocked out by Jorgen De Castro. So, uh, take from that what you will. What do you think? We got two heavyweights that are going to punch each other in the face. Is it worth taking a stab on Justin Toffa at plus one sixty five, or is Carlos Philippe the first Brazilian to get a win on Fight Island this time? Well, I think the Jorgen De Castro is not a good barometer to uh, weigh these guys up against. Jorgen De Castro looked like absolute shit against Carlos Philippe. And Carlos Philippe, I don't know if it's maybe you just don't like him. I don't like the way I like the way he looks. But the dude drinks his own Kool-Aid. When he was in the Jorgen De Castro fight, he's doing the whole like, oh, come at me, come at me, trying to make it look like, oh, I want to bring the brawl. Bro, only do that if you're actually going to knock someone out. You don't have knockout power. I don't think he has knockout power. Mm-hmm. I think Justin Taffa has knockout power. I think that Carlos Philippe has got good body shots, and I think that's what makes him uh, you know, a UFC-caliber athlete is he wears you down with those body shots. Justin Taffa, outside of the Jorgen DeCastro knocked out, he's a relatively durable fighter. Um, the problem is he's a do-or-die type stylistic fighter. He's a guy that's going to throw that overhand right. He's going to be you know knockout-seeking. 
We haven't seen Carlos Fleep actually endure any damage. The Jorgen DeCastro thing, he was fighting Pelohan, non-motivated, fat piece of shit guy laying at the side of the cage. Wow. Fleep wanted to make that fight more exciting than what it was. He fought a guy that had zero motivation and didn't even want to be there. Justin Toff is coming in this. I like the disrespectful line because I think Justin Toff is going to look at that and he's going to be like, uh-uh, no, this guy's got pillow hands. He's going to try and hit my fat stomach, but I'm going to move through. I'm durable enough to get it. That's why when I look at this fight, rather than picking Justin Toff or Carlos Fleet, I'm going over one and a half. I think Justin Toff is durable enough to get out of one and a half. I don't think that Carlos Fleet has the KO power to get him out of one and a half. Hmm. Over one and a half is super juicy in this. And you know me, I can't stand betting heavyweight fights because I just think it's a fucking beyond a gamble. Hmm. But over one and a half is uber juicy. Over one and a half sitting minus 170. Uh, I don't know if you see any value in that or not. A minus 170 on heavyweights throwing uh, is a little tough for me. Um, you know, that's that 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 that's a bit of a scare off for me because I'm looking at it going, you know, I'd, I'd have more value in, you know, I'd have just as much value picking a winner as I would the over uh, mm-hmm. one and a half. Because the last thing you want to do is I w- with me, I'd look at that and go, who do I think is going to win the fight? Because if I think – Carlos Philippe is going to win, then I'll just take him at 190 and give him three rounds to get it done as yeah. opposed to hoping that he doesn't, you know, or that he, he doesn't get it done too early. Uh, Justin Toffa, on the other hand, if I think he's going to win and I see the over under on it is at one and a half and it's at minus 170, I'm just going to take Toffa at plus money because then I think, well, if, if I think he's going to win the fight, I'd rather give him uh, the opportunity that to knock him out in the first round. You don't want to, you don't want to start, you know, seven and a half minutes in the hole when it comes to something like that. Yeah. So, you know, that, 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 cause that would be the concern, right? As you go, okay, well, I don't know who's going to win. So I'm going to take the over one and a half. And now you're at the same amount of money, regardless of how you bet. And if you happen to bet, Toffa happens to win, you, you definitely lost. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I see the logic behind it. I just don't know if I touch that. Me personally, I don't know if I'm going to touch that, this fight at all. I might just, this might be my, my beer break uh, fight where I just, you know, just kind of hang out. I like Carlos, Carlos over one and a half. That's Carlos awesome. and one over one and a half. Mm-hmm. Damn, bro, you ballsy. You trying to get big, big units here in twenty twenty one, bro? Twenty twenty one, man. Twenty twenty one. Let's get it. Mike Grundy, twelve and two, taking on Nick Lentz, the Carney himself, at thirty nine and two. Thirty wins, nine losses. Two draws. Got to make sure that I say that with enough space in it so people don't think we got a guy <laughs> with a nagel, uh Sugar Ray Leonard record out there at 39 and two. There's a reason why we're, why we're enunciating that. Mike Grundy at a minus 150, two. Nick Lentz at a plus 132 over on around the two and a half. The wealth of experience. As you know, I believe experience is the currency that pays the bills in MMA. Uh, and the experience is definitely going to Nick Lentz here. Mike Grundy, though, um, has all the hype in the world behind him. Can he get it done against a very experienced, very durable, very tough to figure out Nick Lentz? Didn't you say you never bet Nick Lentz? I never bet on Nick Lentz, ever. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Why? Well, here's so here's the thing about Nick Lentz, right? Um, And peel back the curtain on Dale's weird um, superstition – um, I guess I, 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 I'll go, we'll go superstitions. So a lot of what you guys don't see behind the curtain with the show is we, I try to do as much analytics as I can when it comes to like the, why I'm choosing the things that I'm choosing style breakdowns and things of that nature. But I'm also equal parts 
superstitious. Um, and I don't like Nick Lentz for a couple different reasons. Okay. One, I don't like Nick Lentz because every time we see him fight, he's got a different haircut. I don't like guys that switch their hairstyles up. It drive, I, I have a thing with it. Um, the other thing with Nick Lentz that I don't like is I don't particularly care for his nickname. Uh, I don't think it's a good nickname. I think it's, I obviously goes by the way he looks. Um, so, even still, I don't necessarily love it. The other thing that I cannot figure out with Nick Lentz, too, is that he is incredibly inconsistent on what, what version of him shows up, right? So uh, a guy like Nick Lentz will come out and throw spinning hook kicks and knock out Gray Maynard, okay? Right? But that same guy will come out and have a back-and-forth battle with Danny Castillo, who I put at the same skill level as Gray Maynard. Mm. Then he'll come out and he'll win a unanimous decision over Scott Holtzman, mm-hmm. who I believe to be a better fighter than both Gray Maynard and Danny Castillo. And he wins it unanimously. Yeah. Um, but then he'll lose to David Tamer, who I do not believe to be a UFC-level talent. So I'm just so confused when it comes to Nick Lentz on where his actual skill level is. He's a veteran of the game. He can beat anybody on any given night. But any person, octagon newcomer to seasoned veteran, can beat him. And I just can't trust my money with a guy like that. What I don't understand, though, is – and sometimes we, we – I don't want to say we put weight into this, but when we start to see someone's resume and we see canceled bouts – as to who the matchmakers at the UFC are trying to match people up with, mm-hmm. they see something that we don't see. And I'm not saying that Nick Lentz has had a bunch of canceled bouts with the high-level UFC talent, but his last two losses against Arnold Allen and, and Oliveira, like the UFC at one point in time thought that this would be a competitive matchup, yeah. which shocks me. So when you look at someone like Mike Grundy, do I think Mike Grundy's a great fighter? No, I think he's extremely one-dimensional. I think he's the guy that's going to try and slow this fight down. He's going to wrestle you to death. He's going to keep you up against the cage. He's going to grapple. But his whole thing is I need to slow this fight down, go to decision. That's why it's set at two and a half. They know Mike's going to slow this fight down. So like you said, with his record, you don't know what to think with Nick Lentz. Um, the, The value is just really not there for me to take Mike Grundy, though, because Nick Lentz has the ability to to do something weird like a spinning back kick or whatever it is and, and get this thing done. Uh, conservatively, if I had to take a pick, I'd probably go Grundy just because I like the grapple heavy, you know, slow the fight down, get this thing to decision. But I don't like this. Well, the other thing too that, that bugs me with, with, with Nick Lentz is he's a grinder. And you have no idea what to do with a grinder, right? Because grinders get caught because they constantly shoot takedowns. They're constantly within striking range uh, of somebody. Or if they go up against a guy that's better at doing what they want to do, right? Grinding, wrestling, clinch, whatever. Then they, they get beat. Like Nick Lentz is good everywhere. He is great nowhere. And sometimes he shows up really in shape and sometimes he does not, which makes me nervous because I just don't know what version of the guy I'm going to get. Probably going to avoid this fight. Maybe look yeah. at Grundy as a parlay piece, depending on how he looks on weigh-ins. But I I, I, I just don't I don't like this fight. Um, so, yeah. All right. Keeping it moving. Oh, there it is. First one of 2020 or 2021. First one. All right, we got two more fights. Let's rifle through these real quick. Ramazan Amiv taking on David Zawada. Amiv at 19 and 4, Zawada at 17 and 5 here, Trey. Uh, 
a Meave at minus 255 is a water at plus 215. Over on around two and a half. I'm feeling a certain type of way about my man's a water. I'm telling you, bro. I, <laughs> Dude, how do you how do you bet against a Dagestanian neckbeard, dude? Explain you're right. You're right. I shouldn't. I should not bet against him. But but can you tell me who the last person David Zawada beat was? Mm-mm. No. Abu Bukar Nurmagomedov. You you did that because one, if I even saw it, I would still say I don't know because I can't pronounce it. He's also he also goes by the fight nickname of Sagat. Now you tell me a better dude. It does not get any better than that when it comes to fighting nicknames. Are you serious? What is Sagat? What? What is Sagat, dude? From Street Fighter. Bro, I know, I know. He's the final. He's he's the final boss in the OG Street Fighter. Sagat with the with with the eye patch. You have no idea who I'm talking about. He stands like this. You have no idea who I'm talking about. Well, I know the guy that wears the gi and the blonde hair. That guy was. was Bro, I'm not talking about Ken. Ken. (laughs) Not talking about Ken and Ryu. I'm talking about Sagat. So David's listen. I like him, Eve, right? And you know me. I love my Dagestani warriors. I love my Caucasus Mountain warriors. I love my neckbeards, right? Neckbeard yeah, brethren, yeah. what's up? I love all them guys. Uh, I really do. Uh, and Ameev is such a weird dude. Ameev is so strange to me because that dude is his body composition. Like we talk about Cheeto Vera being like a grasshopper. Ameev yeah, yeah. is the complete reverse of that. He is nothing but torso. Like he's got like the shortest legs yeah. and he's like, he just looks like somebody stretched his ass out like stretch Armstrong. It is the weirdest sort of, um, you know, body composition I think I've ever seen. My thing with the though, is if you look at who he's beaten, right? Sam Alvey, Alberto Mina, Stefan Sekulik and Nicholas Stoltze. I, I don't, I don't particularly you know, outside of Sam Halvey, I'm not impressed by any of those guys, to be honest with you. And I really believe that if I'm looking at a plus 200 dog on this card that I feel like I might want to touch, David Zawada might be that guy. I, I can I can get there. I can get there. Um, <laughs> I'll say this because Amiv is a guy that's – he is that quintessential Dagestanian fighter who's going to drown you. He's going to wrestle heavy. He's going to lay – lay heavy and for someone that you know Zawada who's more of like a technical striker utilizes his reach likes to you know really get that pop at the end of his jab if he does get drowned into deep waters with Ameev the one thing I actually really like about Zawada he's got a really active guard he's a guy that utilizes kind of like those butterfly hooks he's able to create space he's actually in drowning positions like that able to create enough space where he's able to cinch up a, you know, a triangle, which he has on his record. He's able to cinch up some submissions. He's really good off his back. So I think from a standing perspective, Zawada should be able to, you know, create enough distance with that reach and that jab to not allow Amiv to shoot in and get that double and bring this to the ground. But God forbid it goes to the ground. He can hold his own weight depending on how heavy that weight is. And uh, Amiv could freaking lay heavy. And, and he's going to need to, to win this fight. You're looking at this entire card from top to bottom. Um, plus, there's not a whole lot of dogs that are bigger than Zawada on this card. I don't think we've talked about one that was bigger than 215, have we? No. So he's the biggest dog, I think. I, I don't I'll have to look and see what the next fight is. 
I think he's the biggest dog on this card. If if this bout order stays the way that it is, um, and if that's the case, I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him. I think I, at plus 215, if I'm looking at a flyer, an underdog flyer, I like Zawada's chances here. This whole fight, this whole card, guys, from top to bottom, guys, gals, whatever, um, from top to bottom is it a situation now where the UFC has put together quality matchmaking for the next three cards. I don't think there's anybody that's bigger than a plus three, or I don't think there's anybody bigger than a plus 300 looking ahead um, over the next three cards. I don't I don't think that there is. So we've got tough matchmaking, and it, it you know, Minus 200 does not mean the same in MMA the way it does in when you're betting football or you're betting basketball or you're betting these other things. It, it's two people punching each other in the face, um, trying to kick each other, trying to separate each other from consciousness, trying to choke each other out, snatch a limb off. That's completely different than throwing a ball through a hoop or having 10 guys or 11 guys on each side of a ball trying to run at 100 yards one way or the other. It's a completely different feel. There's a lot um, – there's a lot riding on individual sports when it comes to this type of performance that's necessary to win at a minus 200. So it does not play the same to me. That being said, plus 215 here, double my money. I like Zawada in this fight at that value, right? We're talking about trying to identify value in these people. All right, last yeah. fight. Go ahead, he won't sorry. be the biggest dog, though. He won't. Alessio Ducherico is going to be the biggest dog to come wins for sure. Okay. That's okay. what I think. But um, from a value perspective, yeah, he'll be in that one. Two, what three. was the Cherico prior to that? He was a minus 210 so or something like that, right? So we're, we'll, it'll, it'll be a race. It'll be a race. So, yeah, plus 220. Thanks, Producer Jake. Appreciate you, dog. All right, last fight featured prelim. Omari Akhmedov at 25 and 1. 20 wins, 5 losses, 1 draw. Tom Breeze at 12 and 2. Two Tom Breeze fights in a year. Isn't this something? Ain't that a trick? Now, granted, all things considered, it's different calendar years. But you know, <laughs> as far as uh, the 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 linear cycle of 365 days, Tom Breeze going to fight twice. I don't know about this, bro. I don't. I mean, what do we expect here? Mariok Medov plus 125 too against Tom Breeze at a minus 145. Tom Breeze coming off a win over a dude that should not have been in the UFC anyway and got slept immediately. Um, Versus a, a seasoned Omari Akhmedov, who's quietly crept up into the upper echelon of 185ers, 170ers, depending on how he's feeling. Um, you know, what, what do we think here, man? This is weird. No, from a guy that's an absolute like mental, you know, head case in Tom Breeze, he must have gotten a mental coach. He feels more confident. This is a guy that we've always, he's always been skittish to get back into the cage. He comes back in the cage has a dominant performance against KB Bueller who like right. absolute joke Amari Akhmadov the the guy this is this is a it's a confliction in styles here you got a guy that's going to wrestle heavy who's going to grapple and you've got Tom Breeze who's going to try and keep this standing and try and utilize his striking uh, this is a scary fight because for mental head case type fighters, the worst thing you want is someone that's going to have you on your back and you're overthinking what you need to do to get back to your feet. I think this is a horrible fight for Tom Breeze. I don't like mental fighters, especially when there's a huge confliction in styles. This is what that is. I like Omari in this fight 100%. Yeah, I do too. I, I, I honestly, 
for the life of me, can't figure out what Vegas is thinking here. No. Um, I, I just, the only thing I can think of is there's a lot of dudes in the UK that are just slamming money yeah. on Tom Breeze making this line is what it is. I think Amari Akhmedov wins this fight by drowning. Um, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know he's going to get done inside the distance, but I definitely think Amari Akhmedov absolutely drowns this guy. Um, if you're looking, you know, obviously he's coming off a loss to Chris Weidman, which sucks because I, I am, uh, you know, me. Huge Weidman fan. My, yeah, I'm a huge Weidman fan. Everybody knows that about me. Um, you know, wins over Ian Heinish, win over Zach Cummings, Tim Boach, uh, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, Kyle Noke. I mean, the dude has wins, bro. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't see where Tom Breeze gets it done. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, don't, I mean, obviously, his path to victory is knocking out Omar Yakhmedov, but you don't think Omar Yakhmedov doesn't know that? My man's getting it done. He's going to summon the power of the Caucasus Mountains. He's going to take. <laughs> Tom Breeze down. He's going to freaking drown that Englishman in the middle of the desert. You're going to see an Englishman drown in the desert on January 16th. Ah, what a painted scene. I love it. Yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate everybody coming back. Wait. What? 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 Dude, did the freaking Legends of All Legends fight get scrapped? It's not all. I can't. So here's the thing. You're talking about the Carlos Condit Matt Brown fight, right? Yeah. So we have not, I have not been able to locate anything. Um, that says that it's on this this card. Wow, okay. So at least it hasn't been updated anywhere. Now that being said, we will have another show between now and the 16th. So That's we'll true. cover it we'll cover it at that time if it shows up. Again, like we like we said when we started, if this fight card changes, we'll come back and revisit it. But for the sake of content, for the sake of starting to break down fights, because we've got three events in eight days, we gotta get we gotta start breaking stuff down. So um if Condit versus Brown gets finalized for this event, we'll absolutely cover it next week. Yeah. Okay. Which is Carlos Condit anyway, but yes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, just throw it in, dude. <laughs> yeah. So um, you got anything else? I don't. I don't. That's a, That was a full card, man. Um, I'm excited to watch this thing get probably uh, sliced in half because of the dang COVID, but let's hope it stays intact. Yeah. So we are going to real quick before we put a bow on this thing, we are going to do something a little bit different this year. Last year, we kept track. If you go to our Instagram at punchless MMA, you can see our record for 2020. Um, and that was with picking every single fight. Um, adios, Neil. Appreciate you, man. Um, that was with picking every single fighter as, or as many fights as we could, just doing wins and losses. Um, we've got some new initiatives that we're going to be rolling out this year. And one of which is going to be, um, well, obviously we're going to break down every fight for you like we just did. But our betting card come Saturday night can and probably will look different than what we say on the show. Because from a profitability standpoint, it doesn't do us any good to take an L on a minus 220 guy that gets upset when we weren't betting on him to begin with. Um now, what we were doing last year was putting slips in and betting every single fight. Um, but the problem is, is you end up betting a lot of chalk and your losses at times can outweigh your gains with that. So we have to be more unit conscious this year moving forward because despite going, you know, hitting at 66%, we should have been up huge. But unit management became a real issue for us towards the end of the year there because we went big where we shouldn't have. And then, you know, we went small when we could have gone bigger. And I don't like losing money on people that are minus 200, minus 300, because 
the integrity of the show says that we bet everything that we suggest. I hate losing money for the sake of just keeping the, the sake of integrity up. It's important, but it's just losing money for the sake of losing money. Outside of the integrity of the show, I would have never bet a minus 300 person unless I was putting them in a parlay. Right. But I put the slip in because I told you guys to do it because we told you guys to do it. And I just don't want to do that anymore. It's just, it's at, at times it just pisses me off. because I'm just wasting money. So, um, we're going to put together a betting card that we're going to release on Instagram, right? You guys usually follow us on Instagram so you can see all the plays breaking down, broken down pri prior to fights. We're going to release the same thing, uh, but it will be in the form of like what we're actually going to be betting our money on. And we haven't decided whether or not we're going to do units on it or not, but that, that it will be, it'll be more concise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So if you guys do not follow us on social Go to Instagram. That's where we do a lot of our work. Uh, Punch us MMA. You'll find us um, outside of just posting what our plays are going to be for that fight card. You're going to get uh, inside track as to as this card evolves, it changes COVID. You'll get our quick takes as to what we believe. Even after weigh-ins, we're really active as weigh-ins, what fighters look like. The Beth Korea fight, I swear. If you, you don't think I'm going to be extremely active, you know, either body shaming and or seeing what a 37-year-old looks like in a fight against a 24-year-old new stud, it's on. So, guys, check us out. Punch us MMA. Um, all the info's there. All right. Appreciate you guys. The best way to support the show moving forward is to support support the sponsors that, that endorse the show. Uh, Stay Classy Meats using promo code FIST. Allegiance Clothing using promo code PUNCH and then Bet Online use promo code ARMCHAIR. Appreciate everybody stuck with us in 2020. We absolutely kick the shit out of 2020 2021 is going to be just it's going to bend the knee triple c style um i appreciate everybody we've got big stuff on the horizon i know we say that every week but you know money moves take time and there is stuff in the works and when it comes you guys will be excited about it as excited as we are so appreciate everybody uh take care be good to each other and uh we'll see everybody on social or next tuesday uh for a live stream and another recording peace out guys appreciate you Bang, bang.